Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am very excited to have Ray Light with us. Having worked with CEOs, celebrities, and church leaders and everyday people from every walk of life in countries around the world, Ray has spent nearly two decades teaching people how to know, believe, and live the truth of who they are. Having been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and ADHD, discovering and living out one's true identity in Christ is a journey he is all too familiar with. Co-founder, along with his wife, Catherine, of Faith by Grace Ministries, he serves as a pastoral counselor with Bethel Church and is a devoted father and husband, as well as a sought-after speaker. He's also the author of Maturing Into Yourself, Grow, Grow Into the Fullness of Your Healing, which explores the different aspects of maturation process beyond trauma and healing, beyond experiencing revelation through spiritual discernment, and finally believing the truth of who we are. Welcome, Ray. Thanks so, so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So what does maturing into yourself actually mean? Well, it's the, it's the process after a healing and revelation experience, right? So we're all, we're all dealing with our own wounds. Everybody's hurting in some way from whether it's generational, cultural, or just one-time traumas. There's, there's something that goes on that stunts us from being able to grow into the truth of who we are. And then after we have a healing experience, where now we can receive the truth of who we are. We don't have the years of experience of being ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's a process of actually being able to live out the truth of who you are in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. That's the maturing into yourself process. Accepting responsibility for your thoughts, your actions, your emotions, setting your own boundaries, and really, really being able to be you. So backing up just a little bit, the process of receiving that healing, that is what you go to the Lord for essentially that. And then it's the process of like walking out your faith, your, your salvation um, after that point, essentially. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so it's almost like salvation at some level. Salvation itself is a healing, right? I mean, salvation is itself is a healing, but then even after that, we, we've brought some luggage with us. We brought some baggage with us into this relationship with Jesus and there's other stuff. And that's actually, one of my previous books was called Identity Restoration, and that breaks out what I do in the identity coaching sessions of like letting people actually get to know in those compartmentalized areas of our heart, right? You understand this. We all compartmentalize. That's way over my head on how we do it, but we all compartmentalize, and we're stuck in that compartmentalized area reliving the trauma of the lies we believe, and we're self-protecting in fear, shame, and guilt. But when there's that that revelation of truth from Holy Spirit, boom, then we can be free in that area, experience freedom, peace, and joy. And we just don't know how to do that. So that's the process with this book is like, how do I actually be me? How do I believe in myself and own my my healing and live out the truth of who I am? Unpacking all that extra junk that's come with you after you've actually made that transition. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a process. And so, um, so many people who've been through therapy spend many, many years kind of rehashing the same stuff over and over again. Is some of that because we haven't learned to deal with this extra baggage that maybe has been left over from the way that we've learned to cope? 
Well, some of that too is like two pieces. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. I think I'll answer your question if I don't jump jump back in because I don't always answer the question once I start going. But what I've seen is we've been trained culturally to just replay the information over and over again, like that's like that's the right thing to do. And it, two aspects of that, I I've found that that's re-traumatizing when yeah. you just go over the details over and over again. You're really just re-traumatizing yourself. And one, my opinion, I don't know if this is scientifically proven anywhere, but this is my opinion from what I've seen working with thousands of people over the years, is that we become addicted to that emotion. Mm-hmm. That, right? Because emotions are just chemical reactions, right? Just you can be addicted to that like anything else. And what happens is your, your body, you get addicted to that feeling. So you find a way to just re-engage with that. So by telling the story over and over and over again, you get to relive the emotion of that trauma that you're addicted to and you're stuck reliving. That's that's how I see it. Absolutely. So instead, what does the process look like for, for recognizing this awful thing happened and now I'm going to transition into that moment of healing before we can get into the maturing into yourself on the other side? What do you see that moment as being like with the people that you work with? Well, the people I've worked with, what, what I do when I'm, when I'm coaching somebody, mm-hmm. what we're doing is hitting that, that compartmentalized area where they're reliving the, the trauma of the lie. And I help them just get information. Really what I do is I help them get to know themselves. Mm-hmm. First of all, we find out what is the lie you're believing, right? Because I've found the lie is the problem, not the details of the trauma. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. The lie that gets established is the glue that sticks you to the trauma and reliving the fear, shame, and guilt. Mm-hmm. And the fear, shame, and guilt is, is really just the self-protection that we created, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. When the enemy lied to them, they ate of the fruit, and that would be the details, right? I don't, I don't waste my time going over the fruit. But what it is, they also started self-protecting where they, they hid from God in fear. They covered themselves in shame, and they blamed each other in guilt. So that's what we do is we just loop around over and over again in the fear, shame, and guilt, reliving that. So what I do is I help them find out what is the lie? What is the lie? And then what is the structure of fear, shame, or guilt that I've created myself to actually protect that area, but it keeps me looping around in it. So I help them get that information, right? And then from there, and I help them get that from Jesus. I don't give them that information, right? Because Holy Spirit is the one revealing all truth to us. Mm-hmm. So we just partner with Holy Spirit, let them get the information. Mm-hmm. Then what we do in that area of their heart, even if they know the truth outside of that area of their heart, I found that like in that compartmentalized area, that's all they know and they just relive it over and over again. And every once in a while it pops up to the forefront and that's why we act like a child every once in a while because you'll, you'll react out of that old unresolved trauma from childhood or whenever it was, instead of being able to be present. But what I do is I, I let them engage with Jesus and get the information, who did God create you to be in that area of your heart? What's the truth of your identity? And then what's available if you didn't have to self-protect and didn't believe the lie? So that's the healing that I do in the identity coaching or in my, I actually have an identity restoration e-course and book that kind of covers that. But after you have the revelation and you're able to repent and believe the truth and forgive and release the trauma, then it's like, now what? Now you're you're healed in that area, but let's say you were three when you first engaged in that and started self-protecting. You're still emotionally three years old in that area of your heart. You don't have the years of experience, so now you need to learn how to be you. 
And it's a, that's the process that I take people through in this book. So do you find that once you've identified that lie, is that lie uprooted and now it's different levels of like different lies later? Or is it essentially different permutations of the same lie as you go through the maturation process? Oh, there, there is a building process. That's two different things the way I'm seeing on your, your, yeah. your, I see it as almost like a, uh, it's a couple of different ways. I, I see visually, I think visually a lot of times. So if you think about it, the structure that happened, there's going to be a foundational lie that got established somehow, whether it's generational, cultural, there's some really deep, very young lie at the core of it. And from there, what happens the way I've seen it, it's, it's almost like a building, you know, there's floors of it that happen. And so there'll be a foundation. But because of that lie and that self protection that got established, that makes it easier for another lie to be put and built on top of that and another self protection. So it's like layer upon layer. What I do is I help people, you know, start at the top floor. We work our way down. And then once we're there, that's when we're able to repent at the core of it. That's where we, we break agreement with the lies. We forgive, let them release all the pain, hurt, and trauma. I walk them through some breathing exercises too so that their parasympathetic nervous system can engage and they can process the trauma they've been storing in their body. But then after that, it's... It's each one of those lies stacked together are now the areas where you need to mature from. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, there are layers of it. And there's other, you know, if you look at that structure, there's there's other structures going on in our heart also. Sure, yeah. And so because you're mentioning like once the trauma occurs, then you're essentially frozen in time at that age. As you're going through and dismantling the structure, do you find that people are also in the process seeming to get correspondingly older in terms of maturity as they go through? Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, well, the thing is I've twofold, usually, mm-hmm. usually it's kind of like age-based. Like you can, like maybe this started a year ago, this one on the top floor, right. and then I go down. But what I've found is that none of it makes rational, sequential, or logical sense. Because mm-hmm. we can have thematic compartments mm-hmm. that that actually, you know, on, say, layer three mm-hmm. is actually younger than layer two on oh. the sense of, like, where it is. Because it doesn't all rationally make sense. And we can store a lie in a memory that has nothing to do with the details of the memory. So it's not always, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I tell people when I work with them, try not to understand what's going on. Try not to qualify it. it, You know, it just won't make sense. It's, it's so illogical. And that's one of the things I share. It's almost like our five-year-old self is the one that's in charge of storing all of our information. Right. Yeah. So, so it's just thrown under the bed. You know, you're going to find, you know, you find the ketchup jar in the, in the basement somewhere in a shelf instead of in the, in the refrigerator, you know, that kind of, I mean, it could be anywhere. So that's why there's no sequential logical sense to it. Mm-hmm. So it can be all over the place, but mostly it's, it's someone level of age sequential. Yeah. So in naturopathic medicine, there's this concept called Herring's law of cure and it's inside out, top down, but it's also not perfect. So the idea is in the order in which the symptoms occurred, once you actually get rid of the obstacle to cure and you begin to heal, you would expect that those symptoms are going to go from top to bottom. So sometimes I will literally see rashes go down from their body and oh, yeah. up from yeah. their hands and out from their toes, um, but also inside out. So it goes from the most important deeper organs to the most yeah. superficial. 
And so, but it's, as you say, it's also not perfect. So sometimes things yeah. pop up in random places, mm -hmm. but by and large, I, I'm seeing an analogy there in that way, as far as like yeah. the, the emotional. Thing. Overall, exactly. It is age appropriate, but we'll throw in an out of order thing because it's more like a thematic pattern that the lie kind of started when you were young, but it was thematically connected to a bunch of events. So it could be thrown at that older age kind of memory that doesn't line up with the sequential. And so as people are kind of learning this process of releasing all the various lies, it seems like that, like there's, there's a, there's a self-protection and people have this belief that they're keeping themselves protected when in reality they're preventing themselves from healing. And so that's probably part of the journey, right? Of, oh yeah, that is the process. Like the, to just give you an idea of how the self-protections make no sense at all. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes we can't do this ourselves because we're going to logically try to figure it out and you'll get information from God to be like, oh, that can't be it. You mm -hmm. know, that's why sometimes you need a coach to help you just be able to process mm -hmm. just like I'm sure with with the naturopathic medicine. People are like, how can that be an issue? You know, I mean, it just doesn't right. make sense. Sure. But what I found, like, just to give you an idea, and it's not always an absolute. Mm -hmm. This is just an example. One of the things I've found is like when people have a like a core belief that they're alone, There'll be an automatic system of self-protection that runs of isolation. Mm, interesting. Do you see how that works? So you actually it make keeps it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, yeah, it keeps you in there. And and what the way I describe the self-protections, people call them, you know, ego, coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms, whatever you want to call it. I see them almost like a sub subconscious program that we wrote ourselves when the lie got established. Mm -hmm. We wrote this this code for this subconscious program and as soon as that lie gets triggered like the lie would be the button on the computer and when that lie gets triggered when that gets pressed that program runs like automatic reaction yeah, yeah. right mm -hmm. it doesn't ask you it's not like it's not like you think it's like oh this is happening let me do this thing it's sure. it's already coded in there subconsciously mm -hmm. so it is that same kind of thing that it doesn't make sense like how people say that to me all the time it's like they get the information but they're like well how can that be a a protection i'm like well it doesn't make sense right. yeah. <laughs> but the work at all but yeah <laughs> right and so boundaries came into a lot of this as far as like how to actually protect yourself is where i suppose that likely comes in how do you mm -hmm. see boundaries as being part of the healing process well the healing process of course your boundaries are going to be all messed up because mm -hmm. of wounds right you're you're going to be codependent or people pleasing or controlled or controlling all, all over the place when we're wounded. But what happens is when the boundaries, which, you know, there's intellectual boundaries and emotional boundaries, which I would say are the, mo the two most important that aren't you. I don't hear them talked about, but they're the most violated and the most important. And so in that, when I'm talking about boundaries intellectually and emotionally, for one, that's you actually having boundaries between your thoughts and emotions, understanding the difference between your own personal thoughts and emotions and the difference between your thoughts and other people's thoughts. And what I mean, just a quick reference without it's, it's way more detailed in the book, but, but the idea of me automatically like talking to you, all of a sudden I think you're thinking this thing and all of a sudden I assign this motive to you on why you're doing this thing. That's an intellectual boundary violation, mm -hmm. right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So now when I'm, when I'm thinking your thoughts for you and also I feel this, I feel something and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, that's what you're doing because oh. I feel this. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, that's a 
that's a violation of boundaries because I don't I'm feeling something my feelings are always a manifestation of my thoughts and my beliefs not necessarily what you're doing or what's happening around me so and then we have the spiritual boundaries right the spiritual boundaries of what's going on you're responsible for your own spiritual walk you know, I'm responsible for mine. I'm not blaming demons for stuff I'm doing. You know, there's there's stuff like those boundaries. And then there's the physical boundaries. And I found if you can have the mental, emotional, and spiritual boundaries in a good place, then you can automatically have the physical boundaries because you'll know who you are. You'll know what's yours. And in that place, when you have all those boundaries in place, you can actually take personal responsibility for yourself mm -hmm. and get to know yourself and actually then you know it takes takes it into the self-nurture piece where then you can actually take care of your needs properly so as you were describing that concept of intellectual boundaries and um projecting the what somebody else might be thinking i was oh, yeah. studying matthew uh, jesus teaching regarding judging but also you're not supposed to judge people's thoughts and intentions but you are supposed to judge their fruit so that sounds, right. that's what that reminded me of, the idea of projecting what other people are thinking and feeling. You can't exactly. do that, but you can look at what's, you know, shows up in their lives and infer from there. Yeah. And you're supposed to judge that, but not what they're actually thinking. And that's, that's a good reminder. I'm glad you brought that up too, because one of the things, and I mentioned this in the book, is that Jesus did know the thoughts of other people, right? right? Yeah. He did know that. Mm -hmm. It is possible. You know, there is discernment, there's spiritual gifting. Now, but the way I describe that, though, like when Jesus knew the thoughts of the other people, it didn't turn into fear, shame and guilt for him. Right. So that's the way I describe it. When you're thinking other people's thoughts and it's ex you're experiencing fear, shame and guilt, that's where I'd say the violations are, because and this is I'm not going to make an absolute because anything can happen. But the information you're getting when it comes with fear, shame and guilt. I would pretty much guarantee you didn't get that from God. Yeah, that's not God's fingerprints, for sure. Exactly. Because <laughs> the enemy might even give you the right information. That's why right. I break out discernment in there, too. Because he doesn't care if he gives you the right information as long as he has his virus of fear, shame, and guilt attached to it so it can destroy your community, your authority, and your identity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. So um, you talk in your book also about the recalibration process. Can you tell us what that looks like? Mm. And that's part of almost like we kind of touched on that on like not knowing how to be you, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's like the whole idea when we're wounded, if you think about it in the sense, I, I do a lot of word pictures is what I do. But if you think about it as like you were roller skating or you were out on a boat and basically that feeling where you're not on solid ground, right? That's kind of like what being wounded in these areas is like. And now you have a healing experience and now you're on the solid ground of Jesus Christ and the truth of who you are. But you're not used to being on solid ground in that area of your heart. So it feels weird, right? It just it's this odd feeling that it's almost like you can't quite grasp what you're missing. You're missing something. You can't quite get it. It just feels weird emotionally kind of feels weird. And you get used to that. But what I share with people is the weird feeling is not the freedom. It's the lack of familiarity to the freedom. And there's a process of of getting used to being on solid ground is what the recalibration is. Yeah, and that's true for us individually, but also with the people around us, right? So as people- Exactly. Oh, how does that change the relationships around you? Ooh, that can be messy. That's the, <laughs> that's the messy part. You know, when you think about that, when you can see clearly and yeah. now you're healed and you see all the dysfunctional patterns, yeah. 
and the relational dysfunction that's been going on. And when you show up as you and you have your needs and you're giving yourself permission to have needs and giving yourself boundaries, mm -hmm. depending on the dysfunctional relationships you've established in those wounded areas, people are not going to like that. They're, they don't they don't really want you showing up. They want that old that old you showing up because you took care of that unhealthy need they had and now they you don't right mm -hmm. so you have to reestablish those boundaries like that's what i share with people depending on the level of dysfunction because each relationship you have is at a different level of dysfunction you know you can have some of my some of my old friends when i got healed like those relationships just went away because they were totally dysfunctional right and just some of the old bad habits and patterns just don't have relationship with those people anymore it's not like i i, I like rejected them i'm just like whoa we don't fit together anymore yeah. you know and then there's some where it's you know you care about the person their family whatever it is and you're going to do the extra work to realign and reconnect in those areas mm -hmm. but it is a process of of understanding what's really going on with you and being able to have which takes you into the awareness piece which is one of the things that i talk about too because now you're aware mm -hmm. and you see the dysfunctional patterns and now you you get to be you you get to show up, have the healthy boundaries you need, and get your needs met so that you can live free. Yeah, and I imagine it's really important for people to have a good support network when they're going through that and trying to realign some of those boundaries. Yeah. Otherwise, isn't it easy for people to get kind of pulled back in? Because oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. for one, you become the bad guy as soon as you start establishing boundaries and you start questioning yourself. And if you don't have some form of affirmation, whether it's some of the psychologists and counselors on YouTube, at least mm -hmm. yeah. explaining some of the stuff that's available, but it would be so good. And if the people around you aren't safe, I always recommend mm -hmm. find, get a counselor, mm -hmm. find a, a support group, find, you know, do whatever you need to do to find a group of people who are safe. And the trouble is some of your best friends might not be that person right because it depends on how dysfunctional that relationship was before you got healed they might try to pull you back in mm -hmm. and, and it's not everybody is rooting for your healthy kind of self to be available yeah and especially when you're just walking out that process at the beginning exactly so um what would you what is your perspective on self-care how important is that both in terms of maintaining what you had it and maybe as part of the process yeah part of it is the i guess it's the i tie that back to the scripture where where god says you know love god and love others as you love yourself yeah. and and you know my opinion this one of the biggest perverted scriptures in in there it's like it's been perverted in the church to love god and love others and totally forgetting about yourself because somehow you need to deny yourself and just love other people and i know that's in there the deny yourself and carry your cross is in there but the thing is is we've been tricked we've been tricked into denying our new self and thinking and believing that the old self is still alive and you and you have to get in this battle of just trying to deny all those old desires of your old dead self and that's not it. You, you, you have needs, right? You have needs and you need to nurture yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you're not going to love other people is the thing. You, you might use other people to feel loved, but you're not actually going to love people if you don't love yourself. And in the same with self-nurture, 
You know, it's like you go on a plane, what do they tell you? Put your mask on first. You know what I mean? That's the most basic one that we all know and is used all the time. But it's the whole idea. You need to keep yourself out physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I go through all of that. As a matter of fact, with me, with one of the healings I've recently had, going through some of that, I, I, I'm now more in touch with my body, which sadly in the church, the, the disconnect with emotions and physical, the way that we're so dissociated from ourselves, and it's kind of like taught that way, it's so sad. But I, I, I'm aware of muscles I never knew I had. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing like range of motion, isometric stuff that's just low impact, using my muscles, stretching and stuff like that. Ways that I, I didn't realize how stiff I was from some of the emotional trauma I had. Yeah. And so just like now I'm, I'm more physically fit, I'm more mentally fit, I'm more emotionally fit. You need all of that so that you can believe who you are and actually do who God created you to be. Yeah, I love that. So I think that so many of, I've seen a lot of patients where they've really struggled with this, this idea of why yourself take up the cross, but the, the, the implication of that is exactly as you say, you don't mm -hmm. respect and love yourself. You put yourself so last that exactly. you're basically crumbling because you're not taking care of what you need yeah. to fill yourself up. And then they come in with massive adrenal fatigue and they don't care about anybody because their emotions yeah. are flatlined. Yes. They're just frustrated and angry and resentful for everything they have to do for other people. Right. You yes, know? exactly. As opposed to like fill your cup so that it's overflowing yeah. and you minister out of the overflow. Absolutely. I love that. And if I can, I think I touch it. I touch base on there. But if you can give, I'll shift for a second. I'll give you one of the, this was like a revelation of vision I had from God one time when I was studying the carry your cross and deny yourself and that was you know in this i get a lot of information visually and i tie it to the scriptures i make sure i check in with the scriptures and i make sure it lines up with truth but i get a lot of visual information from god and one of the times when i was studying the the whole idea of denying ourselves and carrying our cross i was hearing a lot about it. i was trying i was trying to wrap my head around that like the, the whole thing how do you do that how do you deny yourself and nurture yourself at the same time and that was when in this vision, I was actually, I think I was going through Ephesians at that time too. And almost every visual revelation I've had started with scripture is the thing too, and takes me back to scripture. But, but with that, I had this vision, this encounter with Jesus and, and Father God, where Father God like kind of walked into the room with me in this vision. And he said, how many times did Jesus crucify himself on the cross? You know, after he was raised to new life. And I was like, just that alone wrecked me. You know, I mean, just being in this experience with Father God. But then Jesus came, and this one stirs me when I think about it. And Jesus came into the room in that vision, and he said, everyone followed me into death. Mm -hmm. Not everyone follows me into life. Ooh, wow. Um, that was big. And then he said, discipleship is following me into life. Oh. Right? So... It's put a whole different spin on the concept of denying myself and the idea. And he let me know, basically, denying ourselves, denying our old dead self, right? Mm -hmm. Deny that that's who you are mm -hmm. and actually carry your cross. The fact that that old dead self was crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who lives. And the truth of who you are in Christ is now you are a new creation. It's Jesus who lives in you. And the life we live now is by faith, by the one who loves us and gave his life for us, right? So now boom, we can live. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, we're not denying our new selves. You know, he gave us a new heart. 
we can accept who we are. We, he gave us a new good heart because it's his heart. It's a heart of flesh, and he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law in that new heart. It's a whole different world. Wow, that's fantastic. And, you know, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Exactly. That's, that is his heart. He's demonstrating the Father perfectly, and that's what he Wow, there's so many nuances of what <laughs> what I could talk about. Sure. I think you covered it. I'm just like, in the sense of one of the things that, that people do ask and what, you know, like on the not ask me is like, is this possible for me? Mm -hmm. Is the question, you know, because I, I, I'll be honest with you. I used to be one of them. Like the mm -hmm. one of the problems I had is that I knew God was good. But he was good to other people, right? That's a, and I, I felt that one when I said it. So I know somebody listening, watching this right now, that's that's an experience you've had. That yeah, it's possible for them, but it's too far from me. It's too much for me. Uh, too much sin. Too much trauma. Too much abuse. No, I've worked with over seven thousand people, and I'm I'm not going to glorify the stuff that. But I've dealt with anything you can imagine. I've worked with somebody dealing with that issue, and I've seen freedom after freedom after freedom. Jesus paid the price for you. There is nothing that wasn't covered in the cross, and you can be free. It is possible. Life can be different. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people go to find out? Well, our, our ministry page is faithbygrace.org. That's where all my stuff is. And funny enough, I don't have a page about maturing into yourself yet. Oh, you don't? Well, with, oh, it's, <laughs> I know. It's like if that's in process. But all of a sudden, I realized that like literally last week. I'm like, oh, my land. We didn't update the website. Uh -huh. you know, so, But there's so many pieces with a new book, as, as you know, all the pieces that got to go on with stuff. So I'm like, so if you go to Faith by Grace, you can get all our information and, and, and it's there. And I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I've started messing around with Twitter, trying to uh, Twitter and um, TikTok, just trying to help bring the information out of, of uh, letting you believe who you are. But faithbygrace.org is where you can, you can find it and you can find maturing into yourself anywhere that you buy books. I will link in the show notes to your site and also to the book. And thanks so much, Ray. This has been fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was so good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.